Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is a great, great vibe to start our Challenge Cup discussion. All right, we've got we've got almost 50 folks in here. I, I think uh, we can get started. I mean, I do want to start just right off the bat in terms of let's start with a question. Do you care about the Challenge Cup this year? Go. <laughs> <laughs> I care about it in that it's our first chance to see two new expansion teams play. And there's a couple other teams that have gone through some pretty you know moderate to large reworks in the off season so in like the soccer sense i'm interested in it in like the any other sense i'm like you know all the other contextual issues like the timing the scheduling the players and their issues with like the calendar and everything and you know what kind of financial incentives are are you offering players for winning this like what's you know like you and i have said many times and result does need more like Cup competitions and challenges mm-hmm. and rewards, just like you have to implement it correctly. So, yeah, yeah in, I, I do think it's going to be an interesting thing. I think Angel City, right, and San Diego are really kind of the two teams that everyone is going to be looking at in this tournament, like not just us, right, and not just the fans, but like this is kind of a chance for other teams to finally get some film on these two teams and kind of figure out like where they're at. And so that's, I think factor number one, but yeah, to your point, I mean, one of the games that I have to watch in my preview, honestly, is Louisville and Kansas city tonight, I think is one of the most interesting matchups just in terms of two teams that have kind of gone through, um, you know, some work on the roster after technically what was both an expansion year start for both of them. Um, we have so many new head coaches in this league, right? And we finally are going to at least maybe get a look at some of the depth that's happening. You know, I looked at the injury report last night and kind of smiled a little bit when I saw, you know, players like Megan Rapino on that list. Like, this is not maybe a chance to, to see full strength rosters. Um, but it is, I guess, our first, our first look. But I, I guess why I wanted to start with that question is because there still kind of is this sense from the league that this is a big, important cup competition. And when it really does now feel like, no, this is a preseason tournament. Yeah, I can see the league wanting to hype it up for their partners. Like you want the sponsors and the broadcast partner to be like, yeah, we're going to get value out of this property. And so I can understand it from that side and wanting fans to buy in. Like they're they're not creating this cup competition out of <laughs> – the goodness of their hearts or whatever they're trying to, it's a value proposition. It's a value add to the league. Um, get more games, more tickets, more airtime, more sponsors, that sort of thing. Obviously it was born out of COVID, but they're not going to keep it around if it's going to just be a, a, a money sink, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand why the league would want to hype it up beyond trying to make people like truly believe challenge cup is a thing. So I, I get it. Um, at the same time, like, yeah, we know it's a, it's a preseason tournament. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's fine. I understand why you're doing it. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. I, I, what I am really interested in is, is that we actually have multiple games on CBS and obviously ahead of the final, the big one there is that San Diego hosting Angel City, right? And yes. what I, I do think is really interesting from a business point of view is that, yes, this is a value proposition, as you say, but you know, there is kind of this interesting strategy from Angel City, even of we're not going to put games at our primary stadium because we want to have this, you know, huge opening day. Right. And so there is kind of this this is a different thing. And we're going to maybe prioritize our regular season home opener, which is kicking off the entire regular season in a different way. So 
it is, I think, just interesting from both a competition point of view, from a product point of view. Um, but I, I think, you know, now this is kind of the tournament where I'm looking to see where this goes and like if the quality of games isn't necessarily there, if the ratings aren't necessarily there, is that what's going to force the league's hand into saying, okay, maybe the time for this is done. There's not really history of the Challenge Cup that we have to feel obligated to uphold. Can we repurpose this competition format, the tournament itself, um, or the time into something that maybe gets us something better for the next season? I also don't know that Americans are totally familiar with like the concept of a cup competition within a regular season. They kind of are, but maybe this is my brain just like having a fart moment, but I'm trying to think of another sport, like a main American sport that does like a within the regular season. It's not part of the regular season, but it's like a, a cup competition. I mean, it is the example of in the WNBA, the Commissioner's Cup, right? Now, yeah. there's truly like an in-season competition where like certain games are designated as Commissioner Cup games. And then there is this, you know, ongoing competition. Um, so there's that, but it's not like, you know, an FA Cup, right? Or something like right, that. Right. I mean, and now with the W League entering the space, I think, the discussions are are probably at least in the early stages of, you know, is there potential for an open cup on the women's side? I think that there's probably a lot of interest in a, in a women's open cup from a lot of different directions, which I think is right. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, now I think we've got this new NWSL commissioner incoming, right? I think there, there are so many open, positions that are hopefully being filled at the NWSL front office, like maybe now is the time where you can actually, once this edition of the challenge cup is finished and you have like the full data of ticket sales and viewership and, you know, player satisfaction and all that kind of stuff. You can really sit down and say, what are the pros and cons of this? And what do we want moving forward? And I just hope that conversation happens, I guess is really what I'm saying. (laughs) Well, you mentioned like you hope they're filling all these front office positions. So there was a, a media call with Karen Bryant and Kristen Burner, which is going to get <laughs> cause so much trouble down the line trying to like the KB and the KB. But like talking to their new minority owners in Gotham FC, um, but they've been involved in women's sports for a long time, you know, like variously with like the Seattle Storm and stuff like that. So, I, you know, Karen Bryant was talking about how she thinks this is an inflection point for the league or, you know, a, a time where if we if if they do the work right and they put get the inputs right, they can leverage this into kind of like a uh, not necessarily a paradigm shift, but moving the league into the next era, right? And WSL 2.0, 3.0, whatever. And it does feel a little bit like that. Like, I don't want to put it all on the West Coast doorstep, but if Angel City and San Diego really take off as expansions, then I really think it's going to add a lot of momentum to the league in terms of, like, growth and what we were talking about, value add, value proposition. Right, right, right. All right. Well, let's let's move on to the groups. Um, I want to just get through maybe some some group uh, thoughts. But, you know, if anyone has a question, start thinking about it. And, you know, I want to go through East, Central and and West. And then we will if you have questions, absolutely take them. So I do want to start. I guess we might as well start with the East. And, you know, I, I hopped on um, Plexweather with Jason Anderson uh, last night which I believe he just posted. So if you are are looking for even more discussion before the episode tonight, please go listen. But what I do think is maybe approaching my way of how I'm thinking about these groups, and, and this maybe stems from last year and even the first edition, is what teams are super motivated to play well and what teams are, I think, not just motivated, but like what teams are going to get a reward out of winning Challenge Cup very specifically. And that tends to be how I think about who I think is going to advance out of these groups. But Steph, who's your pick for advancing out of the East at this point? It's the easy answer, but the spirit, um, it just feels like they have more carryover from last season. Obviously they have championship momentum. Uh, Everybody in this East group has lost. I mean, everybody has lost something because of the expansion draft, but um, 
you know, I'm not super confident in Gotham right now. Sorry, guys, you're still my team. The Courage are obviously looking to do a big rebuild. Sean Nahas has, you know, decided to kind of throw his hat in the ring with a lot of rookies. Orlando Pride, another team doing some, I don't want to say rebuilding, but they've definitely lost some key locker room pieces. So it just feels like the spirit here maybe have more continuity and so less like, I don't think they're the ones that want to, to your point about like who's going to get the most out of winning Challenge Cup, I don't think that's the team in the group in that category, but they are the team in the group who's going to struggle the least, it feels like. I think that's that's fair. I I do, you know, I think the spirit maybe are are not yeah, high on the motivation ranking, but I there is definitely advantage just in terms of how many players they've had in national team camp, I think over the past couple months too and in in terms of their fitness level and where they might be at, but you know, Gotham to me was a team that felt really strong last year and felt like they were using the Challenge Cup as a way to kind of make a statement about their intentions, right? Like this is a team when you think about kind of the sky blue era and where they were at in terms of the table and the challenge cup really felt like maybe one of the main inflection points for the team moving forward, especially on the field. And so Gotham, I think is a team that I'm watching most because that's kind of, I think the combination of motivation and are these pieces going to come together, right? Like this is a team that has been kind of, Obviously, you're losing two very key goalkeepers, right? And that, to me, is, I think, the piece that I'm waiting to see the most. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think it's really between the Spirit and Gotham in the East. And whoever comes in second, I think, could be in the mix for that that number four seed overall, too. I think there's a lot of pressure on Christy Mewis, honestly, to get Gotham to not have to deal with like their goalkeepers kept them in it last season. Let's just be honest. Their goalkeepers really kept them in it for a lot of games. And without those big pieces, yes, they brought in a veteran like Michelle Betos. They've got Ashlyn Harris as well, but I still rank um, Kaylin Sheridan, Didi Harachich, like as the better, like one, two punch. Um, and I think if Christy Mewis comes out in the midfield and Gotham is like able to control that area more. Obviously, it means goalkeepers see fewer shots, and I think the goalkeepers would like that as well. So no pressure. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I also like Kaylin Sheridan is I would say arguably the best goalkeeper in the NWL. So I think whenever you're gonna lose the best goalkeeper in the NWL, that's a factor. But I, I do think that the age of the Gotham Force Field is probably gone. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they they are a chaotic team. Maybe the chaos will stay, and it'll just be another season of like, what? I can't. Why? How do we explain this? Oh, uh, Gotham! Truly, just some absurd. Like I don't know how these holes didn't get scored. All right, let's let's move into the central division. Um, another kind of very interesting mix of. I mean, I I do think that like all of these divisions. First of all, as as Jason pointed out to me yesterday when we were recording the pod, like. It's actually really nice that we have like a real central division for the first time in this league. Yeah. Chicago, Houston, Casey. Yeah. That's extremely central. Oh, geography. So of all these teams, I have the least sense of the dash, like as a team, that's probably on me, but also like they have a little bit of that, like kind of a little bit of the refresh going on. Um, and then Chicago has is more intact, like the spirit. Casey Current obviously aimed like they swung for the fences in the off season. Mm-hmm. And then Louisville lost some key pieces and are having to kind of do their rebuild. So in this group, using the same metrics we used for East, I think the teams the team that maybe has most carryover, like least to adjust to Chicago, and the team that might get the most out of it probably KC, just looking at the rankings from last year. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Yeah, I mean, I want to go maybe in a slightly different direction because I'm actually, like, my... Maybe it's like a, a wild card bet, like... I kind of really like Louisville in this tournament and I can't necessarily explain why, but I just, I'm going to be really interested to see what happens tonight between Louisville and Casey. And obviously that could kind of determine where this group ends up going overall. Chicago to me feels like a team in the wilderness. Like to your point about the dash, I, I do honestly kind of agree with that in terms of where they're at. But I also think like, They've, they've had like a little bit more of a quiet offseason, but Maria Sanchez coming in feels like a really strong pickup for me, for Houston. Chicago, just with everything that has kind of happened since legitimately we flew out of Louisville, feels like I just really don't know what to expect from them. And maybe that's on me. Maybe that's just on like we've only ever really seen one version of this team for so long. And if... Things don't necessarily change a lot on the field. You know, maybe they're going to grind out results the same way that they did through the postseason last year. But Chicago, to me, is honestly like a mystery right now. Here's the other thing, which is Casey Current, like, is Sam U.S. healthy? Can she play? Like, I, I, and, if she, and if she can play, can she play more than 30 minutes? Um, I would be shocked to see a lot of Sam U.S. in this tournament. Like that's, right. that's, I just don't expect a huge, I, I will say like, I'm very much looking forward to Jess McDonald versus Lynn Williams tonight. I think we're going to probably <laughs> get that matchup and that's just honestly going to be like a really fun novelty thing in this. Like that's kind of the fun of, I guess, the start of this 2022 season is seeing all of these new combinations play out, but also former teammates facing off against each other for the first time or someone like, you know, Yuki Nagasato, right? Going from Chicago to Louisville back to Chicago. So there's a lot of that stuff happening too. The other thing that I notice when you look at all the rosters is that people, the teams tend to have fairly balanced roster by position, but then you look at Louisville, five defenders, six midfielders, eight forwards listed. And obviously people will probably shift around the field by position, but that five defenders point has me like, what are you guys going to do? The um, old Western New York flash approach of just score seven goals on people. <laughs> We're also getting Jalen Howell, you know, getting a look at that, see see how the kid does. Jalen Howell, who went to sleep when um, all her teammates thought her plane was on fire and going to crash. So. <laughs> that kind of energy, though, like, I'm just like, that makes me honestly a little bit afraid of her, and I respect it. No, I, I absolutely respect it. And I don't think she's phased by, like, oh, I'm a rookie and NSL debut or whatever. She's like, no, I, I trained really hard and I'll play how I'll play and, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the West real fast. And I think this obviously is kind of just arguably the most interesting group just because we've got both expansion teams in the mix with Angel City and San Diego Wave FC. And then we've got Portland and OL Reign. And to me, this group has, I think, kind of the contender for me in terms of strongest team for 2022. And and I think OL Reign have to walk away with this group and truly own this one. How about you? Yes. Thorns feel like they're, obviously they're in transition with coach Rianne Wilkinson. Um, they do have, like, the whole intact roster. They have a lot of team leaders. Uh, yeah, but um, so do OL Reign and just feel like they have more momentum and as much as we've been talking about like all eyes on angel city and san diego i also want to do i also, I want people to set their expectations at the right 100 <laughs> like they're brand new teams who have never played before they've barely played like full 90 11 v 11 games at this point um 
like in behind, in clo- whether it's closed door exhibition or, or scrimmages or whatever. So, you know, just you can you can hope for a fun game, but I really would not expect like an ultra cohesive looking team. And I think that's fair at this point. And maybe that's why both of them are like, yeah, Challenge Cup is great. <laughs> like a, a no stakes preseason tournament that gives us like full 90 games that have all the like same elements of regular season, but none of the none of the consequences. Let's go. I mean, honestly, it's a perfect setup for them. I think you're 100% right. Like, they get to play against NWSL teams. I don't think either one of these coaches really cares about where the results land. As long as they're getting players' significant minutes together, they're legitimately just getting players' significant minutes. Angel City also has two, like, key defenders that they had signed out, right? Paige Nielsen and Sarah Gordon having to pick up Madison Hammond from OL Reign. So, immediate factor off the bat for them and having to adjust and now you actually get a few games to to try to figure things out and so I mean what is going to be really interesting is watching these two teams play each other just because they're going to be on like fairly even footing so it's that I think is going to be maybe a little bit better measure of than OL Reign needing to come in and getting like statement games against both of them and just being like no we're going to crush you sorry like we've got to prove <laughs> our point right like Laura Harvey's going to come and be like welcome uh, Freya nice to see you again hello and sorry about what's about to happen to you Wave Doll Kemper's still out as well right I think she's not I mean we haven't seen the injury report yet for yeah, Saturday, yeah. but I would assume she's probably not if if she plays, I would be shocked. Right. right. But although Wave, I do think on that defensive end, Angel City's probably worse off, both in terms of injury and honestly, I think Casey Stoney takes the edge here in that she's kind of she's talked a lot about her her dedication to like defensive organization. And so I, I do think she just has the edge there and they just have a healthier roster. And that's another one we just talked about Jalen Howell. That's Naomi Guillermo. Like if she gets a, a a, deba- a debut here. I think that's going to be really interesting to watch. There was a little bit of like, oh, she can she can kind of play up in a more defensive midfielder role. But I, it, Casey Sonia sounds like she really sees Guillermo as a center back. But she wants her to be the kind of center back where um, she's the focal point of building out of the back. So I think that'll be really interesting to watch. Steph, what, so, were, your, what were your impressions of Casey Stoney when you went out to talk with her? Um, I know, obviously, kind of that was a, a wide ranging conversation, but um, just I think it is really interesting because both of us have watched coaches come into this league over the years and some have really not adapted well, but Casey Stoney feels like a coach to me that is going to figure things out. It might not be instantaneous, right? And and now she's going to get that chance to actually coach against other folks. And I, I think, honestly, it's probably a good thing for her to get games against People like Laura Harvey right off the bat, just in terms of what to expect from someone who's been around the league a long time. But what are your what's your read on on Casey Stoney and the NWSL? Everybody says when they talk about Casey Stoney, they're like, she's incredibly prepared. Um, And, you know, that that seems to vibe. I do wonder how much this is going to be a clash of like the style that she wants to impose versus you know, an NWSL, there's only so much you can play your style while also having to respond to the fact that this is NWSL. It's very often a a high transition league. Um, I know that's a pretty broad statement. And within that, there's a lot of room for variation. Uh, And I think Casey knows that, though. So we'll see how much she tries to balance out, like, the team playing she wants them to play with the players and the abilities that she knows she has on paper she emphasized a lot she needs her players to be versatile as well because they have to play through international windows and and players being gone so i wonder if we're going to see like them trying to just get regular reps or her like mixing and matching and being like trying to get a sense of of all the the possibilities I am so interested to see what San Diego's midfield looks like. (laughs) Yeah. Potentially the biggest mystery of the Challenge Cup is what we're going to see out of San Diego's midfield. Yeah, looking at Kelsey Turbo. That's a player that Casey Stoney keeps bringing up, like, unprompted when asked about, like, hey, your midfield is a little bit, you know, thin on paper. 
Um, she's like, Kelsey Turnbow can do all blah, 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 blah in the midfield. Um, their, their forward line is really exciting. Alex Morgan, maybe not 90 match fit. I'm, I'm not basing that on anything concrete at the moment, just kind of preseason vibes. But between her and I think Jakobsen's available, Sophia Jakobsen. Uh, yeah, it, is, it is a little rough that we don't have the uh, injury report for yeah, tomorrow yeah. yet. But And then Katie Johnson, very excited to see how she uses Katie Johnson in a lineup. 100%. I mean, that's it does kind of feel like generally the, the end of his soul approach is how many forwards can we stack in one team, right? And that has been the approach from San Diego. But, I mean, you look at, at Angel City, too. Obviously, I think people are going to have high expectations for Kristen Press to be kind of that person right off the bat, but also Simone Charlie, I think was such a exciting pickup for Angel City. So it, it kind of is, you know, to your point, it, that has always been the rep of the NWSL. It's a league of transition. It's, it's, you know, we're going to get kind of fast physical games all the time. And it, I just, this is kind of the one real gem of this challenge cup is that there are some games where we're going to actually get real looks at these expansion teams and start trying to figure out like what's working, what's not, is there still some time for them to maybe adjust on a roster if they identify a weakness and then also how much the other teams would be able to extort them (laughs) once (laughs) that weakness is identified. I mean, yeah. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. All right. So we've got our groups. Um, I mean, so in theory, we've got our our three. So we'll say Spirit, Current, OL Rain. Those are your three. Um, Who do you think would be fourth? Who do you think would be the four seed if those are the three that make it? (laughs) Um, We'll just lock our opinions in and then, you know, probably be forced to admit that we were very wrong by the time. Okay, so the highest ranking second place team seated four. So, <laughs> and then highest ranking by, um, I assume that means points. Uh, mm-hmm. So God, you're making me do math like right away. Like <laughs> which of these? So, not even so if you, well, if you eliminate the number one team and then looking at like the possibility of like the other teams, like who got in second by essentially not losing versus who got in second by like winning their way to second. Does that like distinction make sense to you? Yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah. So probably Portland. Because if we're going to say Rain is the winner out of West, then of all the other second-ranked teams, I kind of see Portland as the as the one maybe to get out there. All right. All right. I kind of think, you know, uh, to be fair, my pick is, is Louisville, like treating this as a legitimate exercise. So for me, it would probably be the current would be the other team making it out. But, I mean, it is just honestly kind of interesting for us to now think about the NWSL as kind of having regions for the first time ever. Um, just because obviously the league itself is not formatted in that way. But when you think about the way that we talk about MLS or, you know, so many other leagues, there is kind of this, we actually have divisions to kind of say like, well, this is a stronger, you know, division or geographical region. So it is just kind of fun now to think about like, oh, we could potentially say like the East is really strong or the West has two very strong teams and two expansion teams. (laughs) So it's just a new way of talking about the NWL that we are finally achieving after 10, 10 full years. Almost 10 years. Yeah. It, I mean, 10 years from now, it's, well, first of all, saying 10 years from now about this league is wild. <laughs> Just would not have, but that's where we are, I think. And then the other one being, I don't know, are we going to have divisions eventually, like East and West? <laughs> I mean, a 20, team, a 20 team league? I, that That is, let's talk about expansion for a little bit, just because I think it is kind of an interesting time to bring it up again. I think we kind of have to wait for a new NWSL commissioner. But what I do think is, is kind of interesting about the position where the NWSL is at is we are kind of getting a better sense of really who's jockeying 
for an expansion team compared to really what it used to be, right? And now that I think the CBA is in place, you have a new commissioner, um, there is kind of this path, right, that is at least set by the CBA for the next five years. This is a time where you could actually plan and say, okay, does it make sense to bring in two teams in this year, two teams in this year? You know, what what is our approach going to be? And Utah now is kind of the wild card because you have a new owner for Real Salt Lake. There was that automatic uh, clause of saying, hey, if you want to come back into the NWSL, we will set aside an expansion spot for you again. Um, but that's that's kind of now... I think the interesting thing is that the NWSL is, is feeling comfortable again within kind of the trajectory that it sees for itself to, to maybe start having those conversations of, okay, I think the plan would be we bring in two teams at a time whenever we expand. Where are the markets that make sense? And now I think they can really consider geography as a primary thing for expansion rather than just well, what's our list? <laughs> right. Like who, who wants, who can we actually get to buy in? And now that there, there's more value proposition, we've been talking about this whole time, they can kind of go like, it's not about who we can like convince to join our league. It's, you know, it, it's who, who wants to be in this league. And I think there's a lot of stuff going on as the league gets bigger and the valuations get higher. That's going to change who is going to be considered for ownership and the entry point, the barriers to entry are getting higher and higher. Like if you look at the Boston breakers, it was three normal level rich dudes, obviously very rich for like compared to someone who's middle class or, or whatever. But like it was three just normal rich dudes, three normal business rich dudes who were running. Mm-hmm. And that's just not going to happen anymore. And you're not going to see things as much or like the Kansas city current being able to get up and running within like a couple of months, like bless the longs. They, they're putting a lot of money in. Um, but I think we're going to see more and more. It's going to be people who like Utah, who can build on existing infrastructure to come into the league. Or if you're convincing people to come in like as an independent team, it's going to need more and more lead time for them to come in. And so, so there's all these like shifting factors around like the size of the league and the valuations of the teams. I do think that both Angel City and, and San Diego and their entry into the league, like I think the days of, I mean, I just always think about the Houston Dash being announced as an expansion team, which was like, I want to say the same day Beyonce's uh, album dropped like out of nowhere. And then they were playing like a few days or like a few months later, right? Like the quick turnaround time of expansion teams is probably a thing of the past, which is a good thing for this league, right? And the teams that are going to be considering coming in from like an MLS point of view or the independent groups are going to look at what Angel City was able to build, are going to look at what San Diego has been building too, right? Like they're also, they'll be moving into a, a permanent stadium by the end of the season. The lead time is a good thing for the NWSL. And I think now there's not going to be this pressure Right. And and part of that comes from the stability point of view thing. Right. Like we're not going to get a Utah Royal situation, hopefully, or Kansas City current the the first time around um, situation again. Like that has to be kind of one of those things that the NWSL achieves and I, I think is capable of achieving now. I think in the next five years, it's. It's absolutely a non-zero probability. We will have a 16-team league. I don't think it's like highly, highly probable. That's still like five years to add four teams. Uh, yeah, a little rushed. But within the next, you know, eight years or something, absolutely, absolutely 16. And then in 10 years, 20, 20 is a feasible number. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It is blowing my mind a little bit that we're talking about this as if it's like a perfectly normal thing. Just yeah. thinking about it, it just, you know, we've, we've, we've come so far. All right, folks, if you have questions, um, there is a way for you to raise your hand. I can bring you up onto the stage in that little menu at the bottom if you've got anything for us. Otherwise, I'm going to ask um, Steph about Taco Bell because she brought it up on Twitter. Um, <laughs> there's also stuff in the – you can use the chat too and I can read. Uh, Rachel asked, do you think that in the future the Challenge Cup will open up to add Liga MX Feminil into the mix to broaden the scope and build up the league? I don't think Challenge Cup will. I think that the structure – uh hopefully changes sorry about my dog um so that way it's more like a league's cup or, or ccl the same way that we see in mls like that to me is a better future than nwsl only teams let me mute myself stuff you go i would really love to see some kind of structured crossover where like there's um yeah some kind of mini tournament where you can like each league maybe like plays uh, some round robin games to qualify and then each league sends their top two or whatever teams to play the top two Liga MX teams and it's treated as like this really cool event and then I think probably Houston would be an obvious host for that or you know what if we got Texas expansion I saw someone actually ask like Sandra Bullock on a red carpet about NWSL in, in Austin and she's like yeah of course why not something like that um, so yeah I, I think doing that and hosting it at a, at a venue in, in Texas, whatever it may be, or maybe in California where there's a large Latino and um, Hispanic audience, that would be really, really cool. I mean, I think we've seen from the, the success of women's ICC, right? Like there is appetite for NWSL teams to face off against teams from other leagues. And, you know, the, I, I feel like people have been yelling about a club world cup for, I don't know, 10 years at this point, but um, until we get there, I think just the question is, is how much does the NWSL want to tie their fate to other leagues? And that's why we have seen external people coming into the space to set up those tournaments rather than the NWSL itself, because then it feels like, I think there's a little bit of fear of, oh, if we bring in a Lyon or whatever, that we're going to get, losses in <laughs> um but i i think wicc has especially been like such an interesting tournament especially to be there in person but uh women's cup in louisville right like another successful edition of that and so again i think this is just part of the bigger conversation of what do you actually want the challenge cup to be because as it stands right now are you actually getting the most out of the games and i i don't know if you are as a you know, you as in the NWSL. You know, we don't know why I suggested only U.S. venues. We know the baller is like a home and away series where NWSL champion, Liga MX Feminine champion, like, that would be so cool to see an NWSL team like the Azteca or something like that. And so you play uh, a, one game there and then one game in like an American venue, something like that. There's like a lot of possibilities here that I think, and all of them would be really cool. And uh, Liga MX is like blowing it out of the water so I don't think we need to worry about attendance on that end we need to worry about attendance on ours that is fair 
Um, Christy asked if we can eliminate the echo and if I could eliminate the echo, I absolutely would, but I am staring at the same app. So I have passed the feedback along, but currently that's about all I can do and the joys of technology. Um, I apologize, but Steph, since that's, that's currently the most recent question, please tell me about Taco Bell. Cause I don't really know what you want to talk about. I mean, I talk to you, like, what's the category for Taco Bell? Like, um, I think uh, their burritos are kind of overrated. If you want to go to Taco Bell and have a good time, you should stick to the crunchy taco menu. Um, if you really want, quesarito is probably a good option. Crunchwrap, highly overrated. You look at their Crunchwrap on the website, and that's not, like, the sad little flat um, joke that they give you in the store. It sounds like such a good concept. A good concept. Burrito Supreme, another disappointment. Disappointment. So yeah, um, I, I that's my spicy Taco Bell take. Like God bless Taco Bell, I love them, but you need to stick to like the taco menu, not the burrito menu. Even like cheesy gordita crunch is a winner. The taco menu there, great. You know, t- quote unquote taco, such as they are at the Bell. So, I, I'm honestly thinking I don't think I've ever ordered a burrito from Taco Bell once in my life. I'm, I'm just realizing. Okay. You don't need to. <laughs> I I could literally house a 10-pack of crunchy tacos, and in fact, I have. <laughs> and I timed it myself. Of course you did. All right. we I, I forgot about the, the question about video games, which is sitting for you in the chat. This is all you because I, I'm terrible at them, so I'm not even going to have anything to contribute. Do you want to hop up on stage? You can talk if you can talk right now. I, I do assume that at least a few of you are listening to us at work. Yes. No, I, I can't see the chat, actually. Another another tech issue. But. <laughs> um, the question is, have you played Horizon 2? I'm literally playing it right now. Um, I'm having a great time. I'm, again, obsessed with Aloy. Uh, and it's just such a, the soundtrack is killer. The graphics are killer. The storyline is so like really, it's so sad, but hopeful. I think it's really one of the better video game franchises in terms of the vibe where yes, you are someone who fights robot dinosaurs with a bow and arrow, but at the same time, the, the, the themes that they're trying to invoke in you, they really kind of sit with me for a long time, especially after horizon one. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that the protagonist finds basically her, her progenitor. She's searched for a mother figure for so long. And then she listens to this person talk about how she'd want her daughter to be someone who, you know, had the temperament to save the world or want to save the world. And it was like video games are like the the frontier now for storytelling, I think, because they all they allow for such longer and more immersive formats. Um the last video game that hit me, but in a bad way, was Last of Us 2. And I see what they were going for there, I think. But, like, it really, the darkness of that game really turned me off. But think about it. It had such an effect on me. I couldn't sleep for, like, two nights. So I think video games are, like, they're, they're such an incredible format for storytelling. And people who dismiss them as a legitimate art form are really missing out on something. I'm not saying all video games are art, just like all movies or TV shows are not art. Sometimes you just want to binge NCIS, <laughs> right? Um, but at the same time, it is a place where you can find some really touching, thoughtful, introspective stories that make you like want to discuss how you perceive like your own humanity. Got it. Uh, I mean, I mostly, after I broke my leg, um, charged my Nintendo Switch for the first time in a long time and then just played Pokemon Snap for, like, two oh. days straight. So that's where I'm at. I log back into my Animal Crossing island about once a month. And every single time, all the residents do that passive-aggressive, like, I haven't seen you in a while. I'm like, damn, like, why do, you, why do I want to come back here to have all these people harass me about not maintaining the friendship? I can get that in real life. <laughs> All right, we've got another another uh, comment slash question from Mark here. Um, awesome to see many teams addressing stadium things and especially getting out of baseball stadiums. Yes, agree. Will the influence of Angel City, Kansas City, et cetera, force a few other teams to step up? And, I mean, the easy answer to this is 
Absolutely, yes. But also, I think there's some real intrigue here in terms of how it has affected internal politics of the NWSL. Steph, your thoughts? So I know people have read uh, Howard Megdahl's Sports Illustrated piece on the WNBA that, like, everyone's shorthanding as the thing about the charter flights. But within that piece, there's a lot of good stuff about, like, clash between older generation owners and newer generation owners. And then newer owners being like, yeah, why shouldn't we set the standard at work? Why, why are we limited by whatever you're thinking, you know, from last decade or whatever? And the older owners being like, this is the way we've done it. This is the way we need to do it. I don't want to blah, 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 blah. I think that is something we are imp- we are very rapidly approaching that inflection point in Nibisol, if not already there. So I think your question is kind of a subset of that larger question where obviously there's other stuff going on at play. I'm really interested to see how Kansas City's investment pays out, but there's local stuff going on there too, right? Like how is this going to interact with the local government of Kansas City? Um, clearly, yes, they're, they're entirely funding the, I think that, it's all of it private money. They're not getting any public money for any it's of it. It's all private. All yeah, private. yeah, which is like, okay, cool, guys. That's that's awesome. But, like, obviously, you don't get permission to build an entire stadium, like, on the waterfront unless the city is also like, hmm, we're going to get something out of this, too. So I think seeing the way that ownership group navigates all the, the local stuff that comes with building a stadium and a training ground is going to set up like the case study for how owners in the future are going to feel about it. Obviously, it's also going to be different property values in Kansas City. It's not the same as trying to build a stadium in Boston, for example. Um, but I, I do think in general that's something that to keep an eye on from like a business and political sense. Definitely. Okay. I, and if folks have not read Howard's story on the WNBA, it's at Sports Illustrated. I highly, highly recommend it because, yes, it is a WNBA story. But just considering where that league is compared to the NWL, but also, you know, just to Steph's point, like about generations of owners, I, I think one of the factors, too, that we haven't also really considered yet is how Michelle Kong as a Washington Spirit owner is going to change their role within the league, right, in terms of that valuation has already probably affected other teams. Um, but also, you know, from an Angel City point of view, the news that they've got $35 million in sponsorship money coming in, right? Like, this is going to push other teams, and there has always, always, always been tension between kind of the independents and MLS teams. But now, you know, Angel City is technically an independent, right? Do they live in that same kind of world as a Gotham or a Chicago Red Stars? No. So we're starting to see even fractures between what we would have considered kind of political alignment before. So I think it is just a really interesting thing to keep an eye on as the league moves forward and, and see kind of the same way with Howard's story about the WNBA, like kind of what spills out publicly about that, because... You know, the Board of Governors and the NWL, obviously a lot of focus on them last year, considering everything that happened. But the internal politics of that body are really what's steering this league. Jessica Berman, obviously coming in as commissioner, is going to to have a role as well. But it could be a really interesting year ahead. Obviously, you know, 10th year of NWL. I'm trying to say 10th year as opposed to 10th season, because I think... Um, Sandra Herrero is the, the one that I saw tweeting about, like, I'm going to eventually give up on fighting about 10th season, but Challenge Cup and Fall Series not really counting as a full full deal for folks, I think, is a legitimate point. Um, all right, Steph, let's, let's wrap it up since we've been in here about 46 minutes. Is there one thing in particular? I know that, like, maybe let's go super specific because we've already talked about Challenge Cup in general, but, like, you know, I personally would love to see someone get as spicy as the Emily Sonnet, Amy Rodriguez moment. Um, in challenge, like, I just kind of, I, I want, like, the funny chaos to come back again, because that is some of my favorite stuff on Twitter. Like, the memes that came out of Sonnet versus A-Rod were just truly, I think, some of the finest work in <laughs> End of <the> Cell. <laughs> Twitter. I think honestly, the as much as the jokes about the schedule drive me crazy, like the overall memes, your thing about gay weddings not being able to be scheduled because of the lack of schedule was really good. Like, I think we're hitting like a good level of 
of comedy again. Um, so that's personally what I would like to see out of this Challenge Cup. Is there anything hyper-specific you would like to see? Oh. I don't know. I think I would like to not see, like, hyper-specific Twitters referencing, like, uh, certain things coming out of it. I just, <laughs> as much as I'm fond of that concept, I'm also like, hmm, you, you know. We've um, done it. Right. We've like, done it. Playgrounds and stuff. And God bless those Twitters. I love the dedication. I'm not saying, like, it's it's a bad thing. I'm just like, let's. What's the next thing? What's the next hot thing? I don't know. I'm not a youth. I don't, I don't, I'm not even, I don't even like you send me TikToks and I have to open them in the browser because I don't, I don't have the app. And for some reason, I keep refusing to download it. I don't know why. So I'm officially in the like putter in the garage stage of my life. And yeah. I think that's a like I feel I feel really good when I send a TikTok because it is generally like when in in our shared group chat with some friends like it is not usually me doing it there are other people in that group chat that are far more uh on that platform but every once in a while I'm like oh yeah here's a good one um and I feel very accomplished so thank you for at least making me not the worst at TikTok I appreciate that I bet the, the tail end of the Zoomers, the Gen Z, aren't even on TikTok anymore. There's some new platform emerging that we're going to hear about in two years and where they're all like, oh, yeah, we all already moved on to, like, I don't know, new or whatever the heck it's going to be called. So. All right. Yeah. On that note, I hope everyone enjoys watching the games tonight. It honestly just feels wild to me that there are even games tonight to watch. I am not mentally prepared in the slightest to have a, a weekend full of soccer head and also women's March madness and women's frozen four is also on. If you want to watch that, it starts in about 40 minutes um, on ESPN plus get your women's hockey into your women's basketball. So yes, yeah, Steph, thanks for, for hanging out again. Thanks. You got going all the way for, <laughs> uh, for March madness. I did not do a bracket because I am awful at them, but I am probably behind South Carolina. Sorry okay, to your okay. wife, who is a giant UConn fan. Even she didn't pick UConn to go all the way in her bracket. And then she made me make a bracket, and so I just went for chaos, and I have picked Iowa. Oh. <laughs> all right. I mean, sure. Um, I am mostly hoping for... My my university is not necessarily one that is known for sports, but um, American University won Patriot League, and they are facing off against uh, Michigan. So it's a 14 versus a 3 tomorrow. So I will be watching that and probably in pain. That's a good place to start, to stop. Pain. All right. Thanks for joining, everyone. And we will see you on Twitter.